people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back in and welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast as you lot know it's early over here in the uk it's quarter to six over here in the uk so good morning from for those of you in the uk and good morning from myself as usual good morning good afternoon good evening good night depending on who you are, wherever you are in this world, and what time you're actually listening to this, better yet. As you lot know, people, please make sure you've hit the follow button on the Spotify, on the Apple, and any of them other buttons that enable you to support the thing. All information in relation to my socials is in the descriptions, DeludedGuna04 and everything, Snapchat, DGuna04. If you're going to do nothing more, please follow me on Instagram, and also make sure you follow me on Clubhouse, because I'm looking to get the Clubhouse stuff sorted, but... Yeah, I hope you're all well and safe. I hope you're all back. Um, yeah, man, it's been a mad week in terms of the Premier League. Now, saying that, it's it's a double game weekend. You know, we've got Everton versus Manchester City on Wednesday. City, nobody can stop them. Everton lost on the weekend against Fulham. Um, we've got we've got Manchester City um, in our next Premier League game from an Arsenal point of view. But for now, we'll deal with that when it comes. We'll deal with that on the Friday edition of the podcast. Make sure you set a reminder. We got back to winning ways and we beat a tough team in Leicester. It's always nice when Tottenham Hotspur lose, of course, and they, you know, they got 3 0 against Man City. Man United dropped points. Chelsea last night, obviously, Werner. I wouldn't give him an assist, but he was involved in a goal again. And, you know, he's been involved or been, if he hasn't necessarily got assists for Chelsea, he's been involved in goals. He's been doing the right things, in my opinion. But none of that is a substitute for scoring. He was able to score as Chelsea claimed another clean sheet, some more three points. And it's all going well and safe for Tuchel. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp's side loss. So let's get into it. But before we dissect game by game and whatnot and I offer my opinions I'm going to try something new let me just run through the fixture results if you haven't known yesterday West Ham are now up to fifth as they beat um Sheffield United 3-0 Chelsea as I just said defeated Newcastle two goals to nil one of the games of the weekend for me Wolves away at Southampton 1-2-1 against Southampton Manchester United dropped points as they drew 1-1 with West Brom Arsenal made it 4-2, you know, got back to winning ways. Fulham, you know, courtesy of Marja, you know, a brace from him. They won 2-0 at, at Goodison Park. Another game of the week, you know, Leicester City won 3-1 against Liverpool. Burnley pulled off a shocker and defeated Crystal Palace three goals to nil. Manchester City also beat Spurs by the same goal line of three goals to nil. Um, and obviously you've got Brighton drawing nil-nil with Aston Villa people, which was crazy in that regard. Um, let's start with the Burnley game, really and truly. That that was a madness. It was a fast start from Burnley. You know, Goodmanson scored in the fifth minute. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Who scored their second? Was he? I'm sure it was Jay Rodriguez. So they were two 0 up in ten minutes. Obviously, shortly after, shortly after that, you know, Matthew Matthew Loughton completed a good run. You know, what can you say for Burnley? You don't attribute Burnley with scoring a lot of goals, and they, you know. Their fast start to the game helped them a lot. Um, I did think there was little nervous moments from Burnley. You know, Nick Pope made a number of saves across that game, people. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a game, I felt, where both teams had a lot of shots and a lot of passes, but neither really... I mean, I can't really say it about Burnley because they've had three shots on target. They've had 13 shots, three shots on target and scored in it. Burnley aren't normally prolific. But I did think both teams were quite wasteful and obviously... Crystal Palace are made are made to pay for that really and truly. For Crystal Palace, it again continues what we already know. No Wilfred Zaha, no party really and truly. Um so yeah, man. 
I didn't I didn't think Burnley would turn them over three goals to nil, but they did what they needed to do in that game, people. Brighton versus Aston Villa, a share of the spoils. You know, they drew nil-nil. Um, Martinez made some fine saves as well. Obviously, it must have been a frustrating day for Grealish and for Tossar and all the technical players from both teams. So, you know, you had West, you had Burnley defeating Crystal Palace three goals to nil. Brighton and Aston Villa drew nil-nil people. Um let's get into it. What, what do you want first? You want the City, my opinions on the Man City versus Spurs, or do you want to speak about Leicester-Liverpool? Equally, both games are a madness, people. Let's start with Leicester versus Liverpool. Leicester won three goals to one now. A crazy 11 minute source. Liverpool throw this game away, really and truly. Salah took the lead, obviously. And then three, within three, within a te, an 11 minute or 12 minute stage, people, you can already see the madness. You know, Vardy, he loves scoring in big games. He showed what he's on. Harvey Barnes, I think Harvey Barnes will be unlucky to miss out on the Euros place. But based on current form and if it was just based on merit, you can't really rule out Harvey Barnes. He's getting better and better every game and he's being a central figure to what Leicester are doing. You know, what a goal, what a free kick from, from James Madison. And we'll get into it. I'm actually going to speak about that more on, on one of my live streams today. So make sure you head over to my, my thing on YouTube. I think Madison will miss out on an England place purely because Southgate wanted to ignore Grealish. You can't ignore Grealish anymore. I think what you can do with Mount tactically might give him the edge over Madison in, in Southgate's books. You can't ignore Phil Foden and there's probably some other attacking players. So I think Harvey Barnes will miss out. I think Danny Ings will miss out. Um, other players, you know, you've got the Barclays, the Dailies, the Loftus Cheeks, people like that that really aren't getting a looking in the team, but they're always spoken about. So I think he'll be part of them that miss out. I think two of the Leicester boys will miss out, unfortunately. Um, I think Madison has more of a chance than Barnes. Um, I don't think Barnes will go. I think he's unfortunate that, you know, Rashford can play off that left. You've got Sanjo in and around. You've got Sterling as well. You can force Grealish out there as for Folding as well. You got I don't know if even Mason Greenwood is going, um, but you've got Mason Greenwood floating around there. So I think he'll be unfortunate. But I say it every week. You've got to give Leicester their plaudits. And for me, the key for Leicester would be, can you learn from last season? Because... They should be in Champions League football. They shouldn't be in Europa. They were running away with a, with a Champions League spot and they lost it. You know, again, they could finish as high as second, really and truly, mathematically. It's a mad season. Um, you know, indirectly, I'm sure they've even got indirect hopes of winning the league as long as it's still mathematically possible. But I feel if they do not get a Champions League, I think the players and Rodgers, they all have to blame themselves because they've been superb this season. Yeah, they've had a couple of bumps on the road. What, who smacked them? I swear they lost it. I'm sure they lost to Fulham or one of them promoted teams where they shouldn't have. But generally, Leicester have been doing what they need to do. You can't not admire them. They attack with intent. They defend very well. They've got individual quality. They've got a manager who, you know, has developed a lot. Ironically, he's, he, he's developed a lot since he actually left Liverpool, really and truly. And they've got English central players. They've got a bunch of good players there, really and truly. And give it just just purely on the footballing um space of things. I think I won't, I don't think Leicester were necessarily out of it at any point, but at points it did look like Liverpool had the upper hand and definitely when Salah scored for Liverpool, I thought they were going to win it. Um but shout out to Leicester, man, you know, shout out to Leicester. They were, you know, Liverpool weren't clinical enough when they had the chance. Leicester remained pending. You know Madison's capable of magic. You know what it is when with Jamie Vardy and Harvey Barnes has been doing his thing. Um, obviously, saving grace for me, my, my FPL team, Firmino, got an assist, but it's same old stories, you know, switching, we'll get on to it, but switching off defensively, cheap mistakes from Liverpool, not really being clinical, 
front three kind of missing, midfield quite limited, and ultimately time catches up with everybody and Liverpool are no different, you know. Many many people used to get onto me on, on, on YouTube and things when I said Liverpool need a striker, they could do with another creator, they need this, they need that. It wasn't to criticise them, it's because that the bulk of that team has been together from anything from three to five years. They've won Champions League finals. They've lost Champions League finals. They've won the Premier League. They've lost it. And now they're obviously making a poor, you know, they can't retain it. They can mathematically, but it's a myth. I think they've needed to adapt. And I think Jurgen Klopp sure as hell's known that. I think the players themselves have known that. The fans have. And I think the owners, I think, you know, based on Liverpool going and winning the league and the money they reinvested for Coutinho, I think it, and, and it even had me, I think it flattered the board a bit. You know, it made me think that Liverpool's owners are all with Klopp and moving in the run direction when I don't think they are because Liverpool's recruitment hasn't been good enough. You know, when you really scrutinise it, you know, Thiago's a baller. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Thiago will get back to playing well and things like that. But if you look at it on the devil's, devil's advocate thing, I'm not criticising it because they needed a midfielder who had a bit different. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about the system. Can he play? He does a lot of running at Bayern Munich. He looks out of place at, at Liverpool right now. So it's not looking like a success. You know, Naby Keita's got quality, has never been fit. Oxlade-Chamberlain has managed to be one of these rare players that doesn't look better since he leaves Arsenal. He arguably looks worse, people. He shits, pardon my language. Um, you know, Oxlade does not look good. You know, um, Shakiri's been doing his thing. Yota before he injured, but generally... There's no quality outside of that starting eleven, and you're always playing a dangerous game with that because Liverpool for years they've done well keeping that squad you know fit and available. But like you see now, when people lose form, couple of injuries, you're down the toilet. So I think they've paid for not investing, you know, getting a couple of players. You know, if you could get a real number nine, that might force from you know it gives you the luxury of playing not playing Firmino or, or playing Firmino behind them or dropping out one of the other men. It makes everybody raise their game. I think it's been a bit too comfortable. I don't think Liverpool have any Liverpool, what I would call Liverpool quality outside of their starting eleven. Like you can't go from, you know, Firmino, Arig, I mean Firmino, Mane, Salah. They might not be as prolific, with the exception of Salah, because he is still up there for goals. You know, you can't go from that to Origi. With all due respect to Shakiri, he's a good squad player, but you can't go from what you've got to Shakiri. You can't do it. You know, they, they they have not got enough quality throughout that team. And you know, I thought Liverpool would have made a stronger case. For, for retaining this title. Many people at a point, you know, you could only see Liverpool retaining it. And there's been a lot of conclusions, you know, Spurs have won leagues, now they're not. Arsenal haven't quite won leagues, but we're getting top four, we're not. You get what I'm saying? Liverpool are retaining it, they've messed up. City is all doom and glooms, they're back. There's a lot of conclusions, but, you know, I just think Liverpool ultimately have paid for a lack of investment. The cycle is caught up with them now. It's as far as some of, not, not as far as the players can go, but they need to freshen something up. You know, there's a lot of talk about Jurgen Klopp leaving. You saw him slashing the bookies. He's been quite defiant and said he's not doing that. I think, you know, you've got to have some sympathy for Jurgen Klopp because on one hand, not to not to talk about things from a non-footballing perspective, but it must be difficult for him. Obviously, we know what's going on in his personal life, sadly, with the death of his mother and you've got this. I do think football can provide an escape for you. But really and truly, is football your most important thing? If I lost my mother, is football my... You know, as much as I, it, I I have a job to do and all of these sort of things, it's not that deep for me, you know. Like, and I, and I do I do think, again, people asking Klopp the questions, they're not, you know, they have to just ask from a footballing point of view. But it's like sometimes they, it's not that it's wrong pressing him, but sometimes they're probing and prodding. And I'm thinking he's very volatile at this moment. Lao man, in it, you know, leave him. And I think they've they've been drawing him out. I don't think Klopp is going to walk, you know. 
on I've said it to you for a while. I've said I've wondered how long before Klopp keeps it moving or some of these players because they <clears throat> they're doing good. But when you look at Mane, Salah, and Firmino, not I don't know if anyone wants to buy them, but they're in their prime ages, you know. If the Madrids and these teams come, are they going to keep it moving? Jurgen Klopp, has, you can't take away what he's done in it. He's claimed Liverpool's first title in 30 years, even got a Champions League for extra decoration and stuff like that and got them into a couple finals and that as well. Um, well, Champions League final. Um, so he's done a lot. But you need to remember, you know, when you've done that, you've kind of battled back from live, from City, you've retained the title, you know, you've got to re that squad can't really go anywhere without a rebuild. And if there's not significant rebuild, could you keep it moving? You know, Jurgen Klopp is very big on needing rest and stuff and it has been very draining for, I'm sure, for him and those players getting to this level they're at. I don't think Klopp is going to quit because I don't have Klopp down as a quitter. I think Klopp was more likely to leave at the end of last season or he was more likely to leave if Liverpool had a similar season to last. I don't think he's going to leave, you know, because really... You know, there was a lot of energy for Manchester City when they won the league and it was a poor title defence. This is a t first that title in 30 years. This isn't the, the title defence to match from Liverpool. You know, they, they, they're in the top four shouts. You know, Klopp has, Klopp's been quite coy on it, but he's conceded the title now. And that tells you it, it is what it is. You know, there's a, there's a risk Liverpool might not even get Champions League football, which will it's disastrous for every club and would be disastrous for, for Liverpool, really and truly. Um. I just think they've been found out, man. I don't think the individual front three are working as 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 good as they can be. There's too much question marks in midfield. It ain't worked for Thiago. The other midfielders aren't really hitting it off. Stupid defensive mistakes, as shown versus Leicester. I told you a lot about Ozan Kabac. You know he's a good defender, but I've been watching man from since since Galatasaray. Sometimes he does some brainless decisions, and he's and he's a, he's a reactive defender at this moment in time. I don't blame him for that mistake though, purely because. You know, he has a part to play and again, he get, I guess you could communicate better. But Alisson's been making a couple of mistakes recently. So psychologically, he needs to get himself in a headspace. But he has no business being out there, you know. Alisson is the eyes and ears of the team. Fair enough, you know, Kabak could have done better, but he ain't got eyes in the back of his head. There's really no need for Alisson to be flying out. He's got it horribly wrong. Absolute, absolutely brainless. And this tells you that the cracks are there, you know. When it all goes bad, it all goes bad. They've had a bunch of injuries. Matip's going to miss a significant part of the season. We all know Van Dijk and Joe Gomez. It's not working for Thiago. Naby Keita, you know, are they going to call him a flop? I don't know because I don't think the energy's been quite there that it was for previously for Pepe and Ndombele. Um, it's all going wrong for Liverpool, really and truly. And it was it was shown against Leicester. You look at it, people. Liverpool have lost three consecutive Premier League games for the first time since November 2014. Ironically, that was when they were last managed by current Leicester boss, Brendan Rodgers. Only against Arsenal has Jamie Vardy scored more Premier League goals than he has against Liverpool. That's actually levels with Man City. So it further confirms Jamie Vardy will be going down in, you know, Premier League folklore, people. You know, they won't believe he's a real player. I'm sure they'll make comic books about him. He was semi-pro and he's come and won the Premier League title. You know, Jamie Vardy, if you don't do a book deal and all of those things, I think you're missing out on a bag, my guy. What, he come to the Premier League 27-28? Won the league, 100 plus goals, rejected Arsenal, you know, played for England. It's stuff of dreams, really and truly. Shout out to Jamie Vardy, you know, still doing his thing. Um, looking at um, Mo Salah and Firmino, though, people, not that Liverpool fans listening to this will care at this moment in time, but only Robbie Fowler and Steve McManaman with 24 have combined for more Premier League goals for Liverpool than Mohamed Salah and Firmino with 18. Um, up until the end of 2020, Liverpool had scored more first half goals than any other Premier League side this season with 18. 
Since the turn of the year, only Burnley with zero have scored fewer in the opening 45 minutes than the Reds. Obviously, that was said prior to Burnley playing, obviously, and de defeating Crystal Palace three goals to nil, where they scored two in the first 10. Um, you know, Jurgen Klopp, like I said, he's giving the fighting talk. He said, nobody has to worry about me. I might not look like this because the weather is not cool. The beard gets more angry and more grey. I don't sleep, but I'm full of energy. The situation is a challenge. I don't want to have a situation, but it, but I see it as an interesting challenge. We'll sort it. It could be tricky, but we are sorting it by playing football, by sticking even more together, fighting with you all and learning more than you can in each season you have played before. That is the plan. It's a massive challenge and I'm ready and the boys are ready and we give our absolute everything to sort it. Thanks for all the support. I'm grateful that we can think about other things because no one has to worry about me. Because like I said, there's been a lot of talk about Jurgen Klopp leaving and all these things and I would you never want to leave like that, you know. I think he would have left. I think there's, like I said, I think he's more likely he would have left on a high of winning the league or if they put in more of a fight to retain it or even possibly won it. Um, so it is what it is in that regards, people. I just think ultimately Liverpool are paying the lessons for their board. The minute they won the league is when they should have shocked things up. And that's when I thought Liverpool were unstopped because at the time they were linked with, you know, Fakir and these sort of players where many, you know, they were, it, it would threaten the, the current eleven when all their current players were banging. And that's what I, I thought, yo, that's, that's, a, that's a club I want my club to be like. It's not that I don't want to. They've won a league title, but it's like, the, the owner, everybody's serious. I don't think they've been serious, really. And I think some of their recruitment has just been average, really. Like, Shakiri's a decent squad player in isolation. But when you add him and take away... You know, Origi's going down in Liverpool folklore. He scores vital goals, but he does not play consistently because he's not levels. It's as simple as that. Oxlade-Chamberlain can't stay fit, but he's not levels. Naby Keita is a bit different. He's an absolute baller, but he's a hazard. He can't stay fit, you know. Obviously, injuries have, have made them fall off. And I think the one good thing has been, I won't say the emergence of Curtis Jones because he was playing last year, but he's gone from being that sort of squad, young squad player to a, a sort of rotation option. He's genuinely starting big games. He's genuinely playing consistently. He's a genuine option for Liverpool. So, yeah, and I think I think he'll miss out for England at the Euros, but I think he deserves to, an England cap. I think he deserves to be involved, people, really and truly. Um so yeah, man, it is it is it is what it is in that regards firmly, people. Um as you lot as you lot already know, people, we can't not speak we can speak about Jurgen Klopp. We have to speak about um Spurs really. And I mean, you know, you really thought Jose Mourinho was gonna change, and I mean he's had some shaky moments at Spurs, but they were back to calling him a messiah and things. And in true Jose fashion, you've hit that stage now where the football is boring and lackluster and things. I think you need to keep some context. You know, Jose Mourinho stands to do what Jose Mourinho does and claim a trophy. That's what Spurs fans were saying. But saying that, they're playing boring football. You know, they're one of the worst teams to watch in the league. You know, every not that I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm always gonna say that and I'm always push that agenda, but they're one of the worst teams to watch in the league. Spurs genuinely are uninspiring, boring, and that's the sort, you know, that football, when you're winning, nobody can say anything. When you're not winning, when you're not really threatening the opposition when it's quite reactive when you you know you can't really see what you're doing from a tactical point of view the players are underperforming it's absolutely appalling it's, it's boring football and you know I don't think it's I don't think it's quite gone to the level of sacking Jose quite yet I do think you know if you're saying he should leave and things I don't think it's gone to sacking him and but I don't think Spurs can get out of that you know I don't think Spurs can you've given him big contract multi-million and and surely to terminate his his deal early, I swear he signed a three year deal to to terminate Jose Mourinho's contract early. You're looking at some big change, you know. 
when you consider that the bail 20 million loan fee or allegedly you know other teams are more scrutinized for this mismanagement of funds you know somehow spurs have managed to win go from winning the league to finishing seventh or eighth based on what some of their fans are saying it's crazy and i think the last two Spurs games against who did they? Who was the last big game they played other than City? It was it, I'm sure it was Liverpool. I think you know very rarely us as fans we expect a game and it's two different things. But I just think you you've come to expect with Spurs. We know defending first is a key fragment to Jose Mourinho, and I'm not criticizing that. But it just seems like they're very reactive, very defensive, very defeative. You know, it's, it's just relying on individual moments of brilliance. There's no patterns of play. It's very rigid management. It's very stale, really, and truly, that's the only way to put it. Saying that, when they did lose 3-0 to Man City, watching the game as a neutral, I felt there was a 20-minute passage when they stopped respecting City and played the occasion, not the team. Um, not, not for, all. Oh, it's Man City, let's have a goal sort of thing. They were actually doing all right. They were making space and all of these sort of things, but that was short-lived, really and truly. You know, they, they slaughtered them. You know, I can't lie. I think it is a foul for Hoiberg on Gundogan, but at the same time, I don't think it is. I don't think that's a penalty. And, and I'm jumping the gun a bit and talking about Arsenal, but if, if Gundogan's one's a penalty at the Spurs ground, then literally 24 hours, what is any different from, um, was it Cooper against Saka? What is any different? Maybe the shirt that, that they're wearing, but what's any different? But um, yeah, it was terrible for Spurs. From You know, Davidson Sanchez is getting twists up. Their midfielders are passengers. You know, Harry Kane found it tough. He hit the post. But apart from that, he was quite boring. You know, uh, Mora, good on the counter a couple of times, but ineffective. Son, the same. You know, they really were outdone. You know, City were on another level. You know, Bruno was good. Gundogan was good. You know, Sterling was good. You know, they were doing what they needed to do. Obviously, they scored the penalty. Loris got close, but got was so far... You know, Gundogan obviously got on the score sheet and and done and done his thing. People, you know, another brace. Um, Gundogan just can't stop. I don't know what it is with Gundogan and things like that. And for for I can't even remember if it's first or second, but that pass from Edison. Edison even wanted to take the pen. What a pass that was from Edison. You know, Davison Sanchez got absolutely twist up, and he's getting getting memed for life. You know, Sterling gave them a tough time as well. Um. I don't know what's decided for Gundogan to start scoring goals, but it is what it is. And I think people, I think Gundogan might turn into a good manager. He's spoken about management as well, people, and he's been managed by Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. That might be someone we need to keep an eye on moving forward as a manager. But um, I think it was just poor for Spurs. They were second best across all departments. I think when Bell came on, he done one little good cross. But apart from that, they just got completely outdone. Rodri's penalty just about went in. You know, it, City were good. Spurs were poor. As, as good as City were, Spurs defeated themselves, man. And it comes down to Spurs' tactics or lack of tactics in the final third, really and truly. Looking at the statistics, though, people, Gundogan has scored 11 Premier League goals this season. The only German players to score more in a single campaign are Jürgen Klinsmann with 20 and Uwe Rosler with 15 people. Both of those was in the 94-95 season. Um, so this was this is the first year since I've, you know, apart from 94-95, I'm born in 95, but when I'm old enough to comprehend football that I've seen a German player doing such, which is interesting. When you look at it, you, you, you normally attribute Jose to being defensively sound and things like that. Tottenham, have, Tottenham, sorry, have conceded a combined eight goals in their last two games, people. Five versus Everton, three versus City. Um, the most Jose Mourinho has conceded across two across a two-game period in all competitions in his career. Manchester City haven't trailed for a single minute in any of their 15 Premier League games in the competition's history. Um, 
in the last 15 games, people. In the competition's history, apologies only asked of embarked on a longer run of successive games without going behind. A run of 19 between 1998 and 1999, which scares me because we've got Manchester City next. It scares me. We all know it's a write-off, really and truly. Um, so, yeah, man, it's terrible for Spurs and I don't see it getting any better, really and truly, because will Jose Mourinho reinvent himself? I can't, I can't, say, I can't say such. You know, I really can't. I, I really can't say such. Um, so yeah, he has to because he's not. He can't buy his way out of it. Spurs can't. You know, they can write it off, but it's going to be a significant one in terms of Jose's contract. So they've got to ride this one to the wheels fall off. Essentially, really and truly, people. Moving away from that, though, as you lot saw, West Brom drew 1-1 with Manchester United. Fantastic strike from Bruno Fernandes. And I'm eating, people. I had I had Bruno Fernandes as, as captain in my FPL. I had Gundogan as vice, and they both did what they needed to do. Terrific goal from Bruno. Sadly, it doesn't mean anything because, like Bruno said in the build-up to the FA Cup game against Liverpool, one consistent theme of Manchester United has been conceding early goals, conceding cheap goals, and it costs you points. This is exactly what Arsenal do as well. It's cost you points. You know, you can say, if we didn't concede this, if we took this, you could say it's a point gained or two, or two points dropped. You could, you, you know, it's two points dropped. You know, if Maitland-Niles had a decent game, but I'd say more so in the first half half an hour, 45 minutes, um, you know, if he had, if his decision-making was better, you know, the Arsenal lonely, West Brom probably nick all three points. It's, yeah, and that's, that's one thing that's got to improve. You know, you've got to give West Brom credit. You know, they took the lead early. You know, they still remain pending and they, they suffocated United to the point where, you know, they share a point of the spoils. So it's a point gained for, for, for West Brom and especially considering they're trying to stay in the league. I'm pretty sure it's West Brom versus Fulham at the weekend. I could be wrong, but it's or, or there's definitely two relegation candidates playing each other. So it could be testing times and it's a well-deserved point you could see what it meant to West Brom I did think they defended well they were difficult to break down and then things like that they took the lead after just 83 seconds people that is the earliest Premier League goal Manchester United have conceded since Christian Eriksen scored in 11 seconds um, in January 2018 people um, Degane, forgive me if I'm if, if I'm wrong and mispronounced his name. You know, not only did he make a bit of history by scoring early, and he's actually scored a couple goals and been ruled out via VAR. But apparently, people, he's the twelfth different Senegalese player to score a Premier League goal under Sam Allardyce. No other manager has had more than four different players from Senegal score under them in the competition. So Sam Allardyce knows Africa is the way for him, and Senegal is the way for him. So big up to Sam Allardyce. His reputation is on the line as well. Well, as you lot know, he's seen as the Messiah, the man that can keep man in the division. Mr. 40 points, he's going to have to show it. Um, Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in 38 goals in his first 38 Premier League appearances. 16 assists, 22 goals. Only Andy Cole, um, who was involved in 46, was involved in more goals, people. 33 goals and 13 assists, you know. Who played in a better team and who is the striker to give credit to Bruno? You know, Bruno's a quality player. You know, every week I'm sitting on this podcast and saying certain things. There's just some man you have to admire in it. I do think there are some things Bruno can do to take his game to the next level. Like, it sounds silly. He gets goals and assists. But I think he's a player that needs to play to greater maturity. I think sometimes he forces that difficult pass. I think he can learn to retain possession. I think he's got the qualities to kind of dictate, enable his team to dictate the tempo a tiny bit more. And I think he all of that will, 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 will register in him, people. Um, 
I think he's a better player than he's showing, not and he's showing elite levels. I think better yet, I think he's got more to his game than just spectacular moments, sort of thing. I think Bruno is a real player, personally. Luke Shaw, for me, probably has played his way into England contention. And he has four assists in, in, in the league in February, people. Two more than any other player. So, two points dropped, a point gained for Manchester United, depending on how you look at that. As I said, people, Fulham won 2-0 against Everton. Big three, big three points for Fulham. They've only got three wins on, on the trot this season. I think they've got six draws. Sometimes they've actually lost games they haven't deserved to. And I think if they go if they go down, I think they've earned a lot of people's respect, including mine. Like the first game of the season, first couple of weeks of the season, I was saying, listen, this team might be like when Watford came up a few years ago or like Burnley in that they genuinely might not be here for a good time, not a long time. They might make record-breaking stats for negative reasons. It looks a different team. You know, it looks a different team. So credit to Scott Parker and really and truly, you know, credit to all of them players. You know, Lookman looks good. Bare other players look like different players and they're fighting. They're at least trying trying to stay in the league. And I think that's all you can help for. I think they're unfortunate because when you are relegated, not just them, but West Brom, maybe even West Brom against United, you know, a couple of times, even maybe even, um, you know, Arsenal fans aren't the loudest, but maybe if Leeds away fans were at the Emirates, you know, that 12th man to gas players and gas things, it could be a help. And I think due to COVID, we're missing out. And maybe even West Ham, that could help them with where they're going on. You know, I think even David Moyes is unlucky. Everything's going wavy. You ain't got no fans in the stadium to really directly see what you're doing. But big up to Fulham. They capitalised on a sloppy Everton. You know, Josh Mudger is the fifth Nigerian player to score on his first Premier League start. I think Iwobi is one of the up there as well. Ironically, Iwobi, Nigerian, and also first Premier League start. Who did he score against? I'm sure you all remember. It's a t I'll give you a clue, a team he plays for now. Everton at Goodison Park. Um... So shout out to Josh people. As you lot know, I'm sure a lot of you know about him because of the, you know, the Sunderland stuff and the documentary and he was at Bordeaux and that. But at 22 years of age and 49 days old, people, he's the second youngest player to score on his first Premier League start for Fulham after Collins John did so in 2004 against Blackburn sorry, at 18 years of age. Fulham also picked up their first ever away win at Everton in the league competition, which was on their 28th attempt, people. Going into that evening game, they had lost each of their last 22 away fixtures against Tottenham. I mean, against um, the Toffees. So that tells me that on top of everything that's going wrong for Fulham and where they find themselves, they can look at negative, stare negative statistics down in the face and get something out of it. So credit to them, people. Clean sheet, 2-0, three points, vital three points for, for Scott Parker, really and truly. You had West West Ham defeating Sheffield United three goals to nil. David Moyes more or less said that after the game, being fifth, he doesn't even know what to say. And you've got to give credit, you know, whether we're going to see certain, you know, certain teams are doing good. It's down to them to stay there. But, you know, David Moyes is one of them people. People are quick to mock, slow to praise. And you've got to give him credit. You know, West Ham are playing their best football in a minute. You know, Lingard looks like a new player. It's crazy when players are given a bit of confidence and a platform what they can do. You know, everybody seems to be doing their thing at West Ham. And they said, you know what, the players who you probably wouldn't, were based on, they've scored three goals and it's not their attacking players. It's not the Friedrichs. I mean, it is Friedrichs. It's not the... You know, for now, sorry, what I meant to say, and the uh, Antonios and the uh, Bowens and 
Ben Ramas and all these guys, people. Literally, Diop has scored, Rice has scored a penalty and Federicks has added salt into the Sheffield United wounds um, at the end. Now, Sheffield United, you did get the feeling that they could play until until tomorrow and they still wouldn't score, you know, really. I did think they had chances to score, but it's not to, it's, it's, it is what it is. And we already know they're going down. I think they're sticking with Chris Wilder because he probably will get them back up. Um, but who knows, people. Since the turn of the year, people, West Ham have won 19 points in the Premier League, people. Only Manchester City have a, have a, have a, you know got more comp more points in the competition than twenty twenty in twenty twenty one. You've got to give David Moyes credit. You really have, you know, credit to him really and truly for what he's doing for his team. People, pardon me, big up West Ham. They're flying, you know, simple as that. And I think they've got Spurs next. West Ham, do us a job. You know the thing. You know what you need to do against Spurs. They always love to turn up against Spurs. I ain't got no beef with West Ham. Just shout out the Amers. Um, moving away from that, though, people, one of the games of the week for me, I know I'm having a good time in terms of Fantasy League. Like I said, Firmino assists. Two goals from Gundogan. You know, who else got involved? What was the other midfielder that I said I had? Bruno got involved. Pedro Neto managed to get involved as well. I was eating good, people. Fantastic. Blood, this, this pa Pedro Neto, brother. He's gonna. I've been telling you a lot from his Braga days, from when he went Lazio, and now he's at Wolves. Big player, you know. I don't know how much that man costs, but I'd love him at Arsenal Football Club, which isn't going to happen. That man is going to be a baller. I think he's got potential to be one of the best players in the Premier League. I think once his decision-making and all of these things improve a tiny bit more, he's scary. And he's a baller, people. Like you can see, people. What fantastic bit of individual brilliance to score that and pull it in from a tight angle. You know, you even if he doesn't score, you see he gives fullbacks a tough time. He's one of my favourite players in the Premier League, really and truly. And with all due respect to Wolves, I don't think he's going to be there long. I don't think you're going to have him as long as you had Jota before he went to Liverpool, for example. I think this guy's gone next season if he continues, man, because he's he's one of the Premier League's worst kept secrets. You can't, you can't keep them and they're too down for too long. Um, so, yeah, quality goal from Pedro Neto. Um, you know, Armstrong got a decent assist for the other goal. Forgive me if, I, if, I'm, if I'm talking nonsense. I'm pretty sure he did. As you know, I do this thing from memory. Um... What a goal it was as well from, obviously, um, Ruben Neves scored. What a goal it was from Pedro Neto. His Portuguese compatriot scored in Neves. I didn't think that was a pen. Like, what can Bertrand do? Like, I can't get out of that. Like, he, the ball, yes, he's turned his face and whatnot, but the ball's been smacked at him. Crazy ridiculous. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Ings is, um, Neto's goal was so good. I'm forgetting about Ings. Ings scored a fantastic little volley thing as well. And, I think Ings is unfortunate, people, considering he's one of only four players to score 30 Premier League goals since the start of last season. And the only players among him are Mohamed Salah, Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane. I think he'll be unlucky to probably miss out on an England on an England call up for the Euros. You know, looking at it, like I said, only Salah, Vardy and Kane have more than him. Kane's actually got 31. Vardy's got 35. Salah's got 36. If we just look at the two English ones, Jamie Vardy's retired from international football, so he's irrelevant. You know, only two English players have scored more than him and only one that's currently active in that sense. So you can't really rule out Ings. But I think Ings is going to miss out. Similar to Harvey Barnes, I think he is going to miss out. I do think, I think it's going to be Harry Kane. Bearing in mind, Rashford and Sterling can go up there as well. But I think he's going to go with Harry Kane, Tammy Abraham, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And then he might give himself the luxury of Rashford can play there um, and give and call up another midfielder. 
um, in my opinion, or he might just take he might take Greenwood with him. But I don't even know people. I don't think I think Danny Ings is going to be like Harvey Barnes and 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 James Madison and just miss out on that. In my opinion, rightly or wrongly. So yeah, man, Wolves won two one against Southampton. They did what they needed to do. Is you know it's been a tough couple of weeks for Southampton of late. Um, it is what it is in that regards, people. Um, Chelsea won two goals to nil against Newcastle, as I already said, as we already spoke about, people. Werner was involved in the first goal. Um, Giroud got on the score sheet. You know, Werner was involved in the first goal. He actually, you know, cemented the win and got on the score sheet and he deserves it. You know, he's been working very hard. He's been doing the right things. Sometimes you just need that luck and I'm sure Chelsea fans are hoping that that does a lot for his confidence and he goes on a bit of a purple patch now. Um, you know, clean sheet, three points, it, you know, Tuku's loving it, people. Chelsea have conceded just one goal in their last five Premier League games under Thomas Tuku, people. That's the joint lowest number of goals conceded across a manager's first five Premier League games in the competition. He's up there with Peter Taylor at Leicester and Jose Mourinho of Chelsea. He's also picked up 13 points from his first five Premier League games in charge of Chelsea. One draw, four wins. That's level with Jose Mourinho's first five and can only be bettered by Carlo Ancelotti and uh, Maurizio Sarri, who picked up 15 points. Timo Werner scored his first Premier League goal for Chelsea in exactly a thousand minutes since netting against Sheffield United in November, people. That ended a run of 31 attempts without finding the back of the net in the competition. Only Jermaine Defoe with 24 has scored more Premier League goals um, as a substitute than Olivier Giroud, people. So a vital three points for Chelsea. Um, saving the best till last, Arsenal got back to winning ways 4-2 against Leeds. Now, for me, the only things I can criticise is the referee, like the man on VAR, the man who's controlling VAR and didn't give us that first penalty for Saka, is the same man allegedly that that mistaked, forgive me if I'm wrong, Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and, and Kieran Gibbs. Is that the level of incompetence I want in a game that we're all heavily invested in financially and emotionally? Obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan like you lot. I'm sure you all pay for the BTs, the Sky Sports and the rest of it. So the least the Premier League could do is have competent referees. Would they do that? I don't know because it's a conspiracy. But I think the Premier League love it because undoubtedly, if there's no controversy, there's not really a story. You know, they love it. They love having BT debate it, having refs and co coaches debate it. They love us going mad on socials. They love it. They love it really and truly. Um, and as well, we can see the cheap goals, in my opinion. We didn't... Uh, um, Bellerin and Xhaka not following runners suitably for Helder Costa's goal. Um, obviously, as well... The goal we conceded from a set piece. Leeds don't score too many times from set pieces. And we allowed them to... We've improved defensively from set pieces. But I think that's an area Arsenal have been struggling with. Obviously, it's another clean. It's not a clean sheet at the Emirates. They're the only things I can criticise. Other than that, the thing that I was most gassed about is that we pressed them very well. We pressed them into those mistakes. Three of those four goals we scored were their fault. And we exploited them for that regards. I think we have pressed aggressively. I liked how Odegaard and Smithrow worked. They showed their versatility. We've seen Smithrow play off that right, play centrally, play off that left. And I know he talks about being like Kevin De Bruyne and there's some similarities. People forget Kevin wasn't always playing central in his career. I think he's got to look at Grealish because Grealish can affect the game as part of a midfield three, as part as, as a 10 or as a winger. I think that's what we need because I do still think long-term Smithrow can do a little job in the eight position, in a pivot. I think Odegaard looked good in his first start. Um, you know, a bit timid at times, playing with bit within himself a bit. Um, probably will be a bit demanding as the games go on, but technically wasn't lacking. You know, helped was involved for one of the goals as well. 
Um, I, I think, you know, Saka was superb. I think Danny Ceballos, really good game from Danny Ceballos in particular, people, in my humble opinion. Um, I think Xhaka was good as well, but Danny Ceballos had a push. Um, you know, you, Aubameyang got a hat-trick in it. He's back to goal-scoring ways. Goals are like buses. They normally two turn up and he got three. You know, it was a good game. We scored some very good goals. You know, the first one, he, he's making Ailing a former player of Arsenal, um, you know, dance with those stepovers. He's even got a clinical header to round it off and he stepped up and scored from the spot as well. Fantastic. Lovely to see Smith Rowe assist. Lovely to see Saka again showing his problems. Ceballos, good reaction. Promising start from Odegaard. You know, good pressing. So we've worked on something in the week. I think Leeds, they'll look back and say, maybe we shouldn't have made those defensive changes or overcomplicated things against Arsenal. Because um, when they did have a go in the second half, they were a bit more of a problem. And I did think when we scored our first, there was a 10-minute passage between the 13th minute and the 23rd that we was unnecessarily allowing them back in the game. I did think we could have been even more clinical because I still don't even think we tested their keeper enough considering the mistakes he's got in him. But I'm not going to complain. We get back to winning ways. We get a little bit of confidence with that win going into the Benfica game in the Europa League. As you lot know, Arsenal is a difficult month for us. It's also lovely to see we've won for the first time in February this year as well now. Um after some difficult results in the league. Um, it's it's also a difficult month, you know. The games ain't getting easier. We've got Benfica, you know, sandwiched in between them Benfica games. We've got Manchester City. So any little bit of confidence we need. Obviously, beating Leeds gives us a bit of insurance as well going into the City game. I hope we beat Manchester City. But if I was a betting man, would you bet Arsenal could? You know, City are defending well, scoring goals. Individual players are playing well. It's probably just a write-off. We'll deal with that when we need to deal with it, people. Um, Leeds have won just one of their last 24 away games in London, people, losing 17 and drawing six. They've lost all four such matches this season by an aggregate scoreline of 14 to four. Maybe there's something Bielsa can change in his approach. Pascal Stritch, his header was Leeds United's first goal against Arsenal under Maciel Bielsa with what was their 50th effort at goal in their third match against the Gunners under Bielsa. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, it was nil-nil in the last game, innit? Was it 0-0 or 1-1 at, at, at Ellen Road? It, might, it was probably 0-0. You, know, you know when you read a stat and you don't know if it's real? Also, credit to Aubameyang for getting back to goal-scoring ways. We know he's all had a, we've had, he's had a tough time from a personal point of view and obviously from a sporting point of view. You know me, I'm never going to miss a trick when it comes to Aubameyang propaganda. Um, he now, with scoring people, he now has 81 goals for Arsenal, which is one more than Alexis Sanchez. Since the start of 2009-2010 season, Aubameyang is only one of three players to score a hat-trick in three of the top five European leagues. He's up there with Alexis Sanchez. And trivia question, Alexis Sanchez, Aubameyang, who is the, who is the, the third one, people? You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've got a name in your head and I'm pretty sure that's not it. I'll give you a clue. He's a Premier League winner with Chelsea, a striker. What are you saying? That's not a clue at all, in it? That could be better, people. Let me put your minds to ease because I'm pretty sure it's not the one you're thinking of. It's Solomon Kalou, people. So Solomon Kalou, Alexis Sanchez and Aubameyang. More Aubameyang propaganda. He is the third player in Premier League history to score a hat-trick on Valentine's Day after Matt Letizia versus Chelsea. I mean, Liverpool, apologies, 1994. Michael Owen also did such in 1998 against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, going back to Leeds quickly, Leeds have conceded three plus first half goals for the fourth time in the Premier League this season. As you lot know, they did so against Palace, Liverpool and also Manchester United. That's twice as many as any other side. So as much as we praise Leeds for their all-action approach, 
maybe there's something they can change there. Aubameyang scored his 20th goal in Europe's top five leagues since 2009-2010 when he de debuted for Lille in Ligue 1. He's the ninth player to reach 200 goals across five divisions, people. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has scored in consecutive starts in the Premier League within a single season for the first time since last Feb against Newcastle and Everton, which shows maybe he's had a stop-start campaign for a while now. He's also been directly involved in 18 goals in his, in his 17 appearances against newly promoted sides, 4 assists, 14 goals. Flat-track bully, big-game demon Aubameyang is. Um, he scored in each of his last five such games at the Emirates. Parallel season, Lacazette loves scoring away from home. Aubameyang loves scoring at the Emirates. So that's Lacazette. I mean, that's Aubameyang propaganda. And, you know, that's one thing before I forget as well. It, it was a big, big changes in the lineup, really, you know. And considering the only thing I can criticise Arteta for is there's no need to keep giving William minutes, people, in my opinion. He's not deserving it. But it was big calls, you know. We scored four goals and we did not play, you know, Lacazette didn't get to play, Pepe didn't get to play. You know, we start, we shoehorned two creative midfielders in Smith Rowe and Odegaard into the team. Um, you know, there was just, if it went pit tits up, you know, there would have been some big questions. So I credit Arteta for having some conviction and all of those things in what he wanted to do. So I'm not going to complain. We won. Spurs drop points, that's enough for me. United did as well. So again, I don't I think we're out of the top four shouts, but every little helps, people. Every, every little helps. And I, and in the crazy season like this, who knows? Arsenal, we're in a tough run of games now, innit? If you want top four, if you want European qualification, you've got to decide it now because no games are getting easier. You've got off the top of my head, you've got Le Leeds, then I'm sure you've got Man City, then I'm sure you've got Leicester, now you've got Benfica. The games are coming thick and fast, people. We've played 24 games, there's 38 games on the calendar, a lot's to be played. If we look at the Premier League table quickly from top to bottom, Manchester City are on 53 points in first, Manchester United are on 46 and remaining second. Level on points, but, you know, behind in terms of goal difference, you've got Leicester in third. Chelsea, who are now in fourth place and are on the verge of cementing a Champions League place. I do think that the top four places could stay like that, which would be problems for Liverpool. You know, West Ham are fifth, as I've said, 42 points. The goal difference isn't kind to them, but they're breathing down Chelsea's next. Liverpool need to win their next game. They're on 40 points. They're on. They're in sixth place. Everton are seventh from 37. Aston Villa, who have had a bit of a wobble now, now find them, themselves in eighth place on 36. Tottenham Hotspur also on 36. Are the closest we've probably been to Tottenham in a couple of seasons, really, Arsenal fans. We're 10th, two points behind them, but have a game in hand on Spurs. And to be fair, you know, Everton and Villa... Um, have played two games less than the bulk, the majority of teams, people. Everyone else has played 23, 24 games. So, again, you know, Everton lost their last game, but again, they win their next two. Same for Villa and things are flipped on its head. Sp Arsenal are t in 10th place, which is backwards from last season. 34 points, you know, to get into the top four shouts, you need about 40, 42. We probably need a, a bit too much for us this season, but there's still a lot of football to be played. So you put a run of games together, you never know what could happen. Leeds are 11th from 32. Wolves are 12th with 30. Southampton are 13th on 29. Palace are on 14 points. You've got 15th place Brighton, 16th place Burnley, 17th place Newcastle. The bottom three are Fulham, West Bromwich Albion and Sheffield United. 
I think Fulham might be able to mount an escape, you know. Full, I, I would love Burnley or Burnley to go down. I like Graham Potter, but I wouldn't mind Brighton. Burnley be the team for me to go down. I want Newcastle and Fulham to stay in this division. But I do think the bottom three in Fulham, West Brom, Ajalbin and Sheffield United will stay like that. Mathematically, if anything, I see Fulham getting out of it. You never know West Brom are having some togetherness, but I just don't think they've got the quality in their team. Sheffield United, again, probably the worst at the bottom three. They're gone in it. 11 points, two wins all season. Well, no, sorry, people. Three wins all season, two defeats, 19 L's already. You're gone, man. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Absolutely gone. You know, there isn't anything more to say in that regard. You're gone. Like, it's a myth. It's a myth for you. You know, you can't survive. If we look at the Premier League action to come over this weekend, I mean, over this midweek weekend action will be reviewed or spoken about on Friday's podcast. Make sure you're making a mental note of that, people. Um, you know, watch along business on, on YouTube. Arsenal versus Benfica, Benfica versus Arsenal. Watch along on Thursday. Deluded podcast on Tuesdays and Fridays, Mondays if there's no football. Cheeky plugs of that. Um, the football to come, though, people, over the week. Um, oh, over the week, before we get into the weekend, you've got Burnley against Fulham tomorrow, Wednesday from 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Um, and then you've got Everton versus Man City at 8.15, Amazon Prime Video Sport. Friday night, you've got Wolves versus Leeds at 8 p.m., people. So that's the action to come. Um, we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. In terms of anything happening around the footballing world, Marco Rose, um, Gladbach manager, will be going to Borussia Dortmund next, next season and will be their gaffer. Um, I'm sure you've seen Celtic are having a testing season and they had to come from behind against St. Johnston. I, I watched that game, so I should remember the team they played. Arsenal target, Eduard scored. Not too sure I'm really convinced by him anymore, but he did score some goals. But apparently Celtic have revealed a pre-tax loss of nearly £6 million as their club's reserves have plummeted by almost a quarter. The club's half-year half financial report showed revenues of £40.7 million down from £53.3 million in 2009 and a loss before taxation of £5.9 million. Now, obviously... You shouldn't be alarmed by that because a lot of teams are going to report a loss due to COVID, but there's probably other knock-on effects. And we know Arsenal have been able to buy Kieran Tierney. Maybe that's maybe clubs will be looking at moving for more Celtic players. And I wouldn't mind Eduard, not too sure beyond being a squad player right now if he can hit the ground running. Apparently, Everton's new £500 million stadium plan should be approved according to experts. They want to move from Goodison Park to Bramley Moor, which is a stadium plan which should be approved according to the report by Liverpool City Council planners people. It's a significant step forward for the 500 waterfront project people. Um, so, yeah, there should be some progress on that. And there's a there's a meeting for the planning committee on the 23rd of February. So that's a one for the diary for you Everton lads um, to see if you can get your new stadium. Apparently, Colza, um, um, Colza of, of Aston Villa is drawing interest from maybe even representing Angola, Portugal, and there's another another nation he's eligible for, and also England and Southgate. Um, apparently, he's interested in rivals Liverpool and Spurs people. Apparently, Spurs even wanted to move for him if Toby Adeverod would have left due to that clause he had in his deal, people. You lot already know Jurgen Klopp has rubbished exit reports. And FA Cup quarterfinal fixtures and TV channels have been confirmed, people. B BT will broadcast Everton's game against Man City at 5.30 on Saturday, 
on March the 20th. And Bournemouth against Southampton will be at 12.15. Leicester's clash with Manchester United will be shown on BBC One at 5pm on Sunday the 21st of March, following Chelsea's tie with Sheffield United at 1.30pm on the same channel, people. Apparently, um, you know, there's going to be a clampdown on betting in the Premier League and things. Apparently, a new body comprising of many UK's biggest gambling companies have drawn up new plans to present prevent football clubs from using their official social media accounts to promote gambling offers, people. So, again, clampdown on gambling. So, it's a bit of a slow news day. You know, uh, condolences and our thoughts are with Portsmouth manager Kenny Jacket. Apparently, he is absent. He'll be absent for a small period after having an operation so you know we're at a time of day we're at a time where obviously there isn't too much positive news anywhere really when it comes to people's health and things so the little bit of that the better really and truly people so yeah it's a slow news day i'll be back as you lot know with some more information when i have if you haven't had enough of me check out the youtube content i'll put what at this moment in time is it's coming up to just over seven o'clock now, people. Well, um, well, I say seven o'clock. It's seven o'clock now. Seven on the clock now. Um, you know, throughout the day, I'm pretty sure I'll be live on YouTube. So once again, if you have not followed me, Deluded Guna zero four across everything. YouTube Deluded Guna, obviously, but Deluded Guna zero four across all the socials you can imagine. If you're gonna do nothing more, make sure you follow me on Snap on, on Instagram. Sorry, make sure you follow me on Insta, on Twitter. Make sure you definitely subscribe on YouTube and also follow me on Clubhouse. I'm looking to get on the Clubhouse scene, do a bit more in that regard. So, yeah, Deludaguna04 and everything, people. Very easy for you. Please make sure you hit that up. But for now, I'm going to get out of it. It's been a very enjoyable 52 minutes. Like I said, please make a mental note or a, or, or a reminder. Deluded Podcast next edition will be here on Friday as we review any talking points that's come up during the week, obviously we'll review the, the the action. There's European football to be talking about as well, people, and 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 the rest of it really. And in fact, before we get before we actually get out of here, people, I've done you look quite quite dirty in in that regards. We should kind of look at Europa League action because it's a bit of a mad one. Is there Champions League on this week as well, people? In fact, Champions League probably starts next week. Um, Europa League action, you've got Real Sociedad travelling, well, Manchester United travelling to Real Sociedad, um, which should be a very tough game. Sociedad are in decent form. It will, obviously, as you lot know, it's going to be played at a neutral venue, people. Um, as you lot know, when they met in the Champions League, Man United won at Old Trafford and it was a goalless draw in Spain. Manchester United are winless in their last nine European matches against Spanish opposition people. Make of that what you will. Um Real Sociedad have lost four of their last five knockout matches in major UEFA European competition. Um, we'll have to see people. Um, Adnan Yanazai might come back to haunt Man United and only Nicolas Pepe has attempted more take-ons in the opposition half than the um, Sociedad player in the Europa League this season, people. Make of that what you will. You've got Spurs against Wolfsburg. You can't underestimate anyone, but I'd expect Spurs to get back to winning ways, people. Spurs are featuring in their 10th different UEFA Europa League knockout tie people they failed to win the first leg in each of their last seven knockout matches in the competition people since winning 3-0 against Inter Milan 2012-13 people um, again this like Arsenal this could be a ticket into the Champions League so it's certainly got to take seriously you've got Olympiacos against PSV former Arsenal player Daniel Marlin against former Arsenal player Socrates should be an interesting one 
Slavia Prague against Leicester City, people, will be an interesting one. It will be the sixth different English side that Slavia Prague have faced after playing Leeds, Spurs, Arsenal and Villa, as well as Chelsea. Le- Leicester have won just one of their last seven away matches in European competition, people. When they beat AAK Athens in the group stage of this season's competition, um, obviously, last time Slavia lost, they lost to Chelsea in the quarterfinals. So that should be an interesting one. Jamie Vardy has scored in each of his last three major European competition games, people. Uh, make of that what you will. You've got Young Boys against Leverkusen. You've got Red Star against um, against Milan. You know, you've got Dynamo Kiev against Club Bruges. You've got Braga against Roma. Krasnodar against Dynamo um, Zagreb. Leo against Ajax, Mulder against Hoffenheim, Tel Aviv against Shakhtar Donetsk, Antwerp against Rangers, Granada against Napoli, Salzburg against Villarreal. You've also got Arsenal versus Benfica, Benfica versus Arsenal, which is going to be a tasty game. Benfica and Arsenal met in the last 16 in the 1991-92 European Cup. Benfica won 4-2 on aggregate. Arsenal have faced five different Portuguese opponents in European competition and we've beat them all, apart from Benfica people. Sporting Porto, Sporting Sporting Braga and Vitoria. Um, Benfica have won their first leg of each of their last nine UEFA knockout ties in this game, people. We're going to need Nicolas Pepe and nobody takes on more people than him in the competition. Um, He's been involved in also 48 open play sequences that have ended with a shot for more than anybody else. Benfica's PZ has been directly involved in more European goals than any other player this season, people. And the last Portuguese player to score more goals in the UEFA campaign was Asabio in 1970-1971. So you got European competition to come, people. Clearly, I don't think the away, I don't think the Champions League doesn't kick in until next week, um, really. So we'll have to see. Let me actually confirm that's the case with you lot, people, before I make you lot do a madness. Oh, it's Champions League. Jeez, it's Champions League today. Mud. This is how you know you, I've, I've paid no attention to European football because Arsenal are not in this thing, people. Um, I really apologies. apologise. You've got RB Leipzig against Liverpool. Again, the form Liverpool's in, it could get long, people. Liverpool are, however, unbeaten in their last five away games against German sides in all comps, people. Their last defeat was in April 2002 against Bayern Leverkusen. You know, um... You've got Barcelona against PSG. That's a tasty game, people. I don't need to talk with statistics with that. I think Neymar's not playing in that game. You've got Seville against Borussia Dortmund, which is going to be a tasty one as well. Porto against Juventus tomorrow. Um, tomorrow at Seville is tomorrow. Seville's playing tomorrow with Dortmund. Um, you've also got... Um, so, yeah, Porto versus Juventus, Seville versus Dortmund, Barcelona against PSG, and you've got Leipzig all tomorrow. Um, action to come in the Champions League it will be the week after you know you've got we'll speak about it again but I might as well mention it as you lot know you've got Atletico against Chelsea Lazio against Bayern Atlanta against Real Madrid Real Madrid based on how they were playing against Shakhtar and all them teams there in the group can't rule them out glad back against Man City so it's going to be an interesting one so the European football is finally here again we've got a bag of football you know we've got you know Tuesday there's football Tomorrow there's football, Thursday there's football, there's a bag of football people, there's a bag of football. Um, on that note, I'm going to get out of here though man, it's been a fantastic, now we can actually get out of here, it's been a fantastic 
podcast. So like I said, please make sure you follow me. You're following me on Clubhouse, Deludaguna04. In fact, follow me on all my socials. Make sure you're back here on Friday for the next edition where we'll review the European, obviously the European action and everything to come, people. Um, so on that note, you know, there's football every day. People, deluded, I'm out. Thank you for watching, rocking and the rest of it. Safe.